Titus was here for our staff on Thursday, and that was just such a powerful time talking to him and eating together and being able to hear uh, some of the stories of, of, of uh, planting the gospel in and throughout Indonesia. And it made me just so thankful that we get to gather in a public space like that. When, when they gather for church, it's in a home. They're one song, kind of quiet. Uh, you know, they have to be careful. And here we're able to sing, raise your voice louder and louder and louder, hallelujah, you know? And isn't that cool? I mean, more than cool, it's an amazing privilege that I never want to take for granted. As long as we're able to do it, let's do it and let's remember what a joy, what a privilege it is to be able to do that. Well, we are uh, launching into a new series today. I'm super excited. I love this series that we have done for the last several years. And uh, it's called Love Your Neighbor. And uh, one of the goals of this particular series is to, is to kind of get us refocused on the Jesus mission and to encourage our hearts to be a part of what God is doing, not just here, but outside the walls of this church, in our community, and in our world. And so what a great way to kick that off uh, I can't think of a better way than to have someone like Titus here to open up our eyes to the world and see that God is at work, not just in our small community here, but he's at work around the world. And we have that joy and responsibility to be a part of what he's doing all around the world. Well, this particular series, this round, we're basing it off of the book, Everybody Always by Bob Goff. So if you want to grab that book, maybe you've read it before. If you've never read it, it's a super fun book. It is uh, written by Bob Goff. He has got more stories than anybody I ever have come across, and they are fun and exciting, and uh, they point you towards Jesus. And uh, so if you want the book, we have the books out at the welcome uh, table, and you can grab a book. I don't know that our little square devices work, and I think they're $12. If, if you brought cash, you can get a book. If you didn't, take a book anyways and bring the money back when you can. Uh, but you don't have to have the book to go through the series, but I know some of the life groups are going to go through it. Our life group did go through it, and it was, it was super uh, engaging and it really caused us as a group to focus on not just, uh, not just our whole city, but also on specific neighborhoods. Well, today, if you have a Bible, I want you to open it to Luke chapter 30. And we're going to start with a very familiar story, but one in which I'm trusting we'll listen to with fresh ears and eyes. And it kind of starts this way, as a lawyer, a religious scholar, uh, a teacher of the law, came to Jesus and to test him, said, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he said, well, you know what's written in the law. How do you read it? I love it when Jesus answers a question with a question. I mean, here's this guy thinking, man, I've tried a lot of people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Jesus on the stand here. And Jesus, of course, flips it back on him. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, go do this and you will live. But somehow this guy is feeling convicted and he's wanting to justify himself like, no, I am good, Jesus. You're kind of making it sound like I'm not good, but I am good. And so who is my neighbor? And I'll prove to you that I have loved my neighbor. 
And then Jesus begins to tell this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Here's this man, this Jewish man, traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way there, he's attacked, he's beaten, he's kicked, his face is ground into the dirt and into the rock, and he's left there for dead. He's gasping for air and wondering, you know, who will come to his rescue? And in this semi-conscious state, he starts to probably mutter, help, right? Help. Help me. And lo and behold, you know the story, somebody begins to come by, right? And it, it was somebody that could have helped. People, people often ignore needs. I often ignore needs because of the mess that it will get us into, right? Getting into needs getting into people's lives, lives are complicated, lives are, are messy, and when we get into someone's life and we make that choice to kind of go off our beaten path, kind of break the schedule we're on, not get all the tasks done that we thought we'd get done that day or that week or that month, that that's a choice that we know because we're smart people, it's going to end up costing a lot of time and probably a lot of mess. And there are all kinds of thoughts that go through our mind when that happens. And the world is a tough place. People are hurting. People are bleeding. People have been uh, abused. People have had things happen to them in their life that wasn't their fault, that left them there for dead. And here in verse 31, it says a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed too, passed by on the other side. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty convicting. Probably more so for me because I'm faster, right? And here we see a priest, we see a Levite. And we're wondering, why didn't they pass over to the other side? Isn't that their responsibility? Isn't that what they should have done? And they didn't. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to justify why they didn't, but I will say that I've passed by on the other side before. Have you? Have you ever kind of seen a need and kind of went, don't have time for that? I, do, I can't enter into that mess right now and kind of gone maybe on the other side of a of the road. I mean, before we totally like diss them, it's easy to do, right? We don't have to look very far to see people in our society where they're struggling, they're trying to get by, people who want to work but can't, people maybe in a marriage where one of the spouses uh, left them, cheated on them, kids maybe neglected by a drug addicted parent a wife beaten by abuse, the kids sucked into maybe a gang, mental or physical illness that nobody ever asked for. Or even today in our community, homelessness is such a huge issue, isn't it? And trying to find affordable housing. I've talked to multiple people who they're not, they're, they're, they're not unemployed, they're employed, but they can't live anywhere because they can't afford it. 
They can't afford it or they can't even find it because it's so difficult to find right now. Jesus told us, though, in John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He said, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And we see this juxtaposition between all of the problems, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the evil, and then the, the statement that Jesus makes, that he said, I came, no, to give you life. When we pause and we think about it, Jesus came to set up his kingdom and that the kingdom of light, that God's kingdom, comes and it confronts the kingdom of darkness, which is the kingdom of this world, and all of the sin and all of the brokenness and all of the pain and all of the addiction. And Jesus, his kingdom, comes to confront and to free and to heal and to deliver and to open up blind eyes. And that's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came and he brings his kingdom and he's the king of the kingdom. The enemy, the enemy comes to rip us off. Jesus comes to bring us life. He came to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. He came to heal broken hearts. He came to restore lives and reconcile relationships and free us. The good news has a name and his name is Jesus. If we continue in the story, we see that so far nobody stopped. And when I think of the priest and I think of the Levite, I think of religion. I don't think of a, necessarily an individual person. I don't even think of a position or a title or a church employee. I really just think of religion in, in and of itself doesn't heal. It doesn't save. Religion disappoints. Only Jesus brings healing and salvation. But a Samaritan, it says, as he traveled came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day, he took, him, took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. A Samaritan, a Samaritan the least likely person out of anybody who would stop because the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other in that day. To a Jew in that day, the Samaritans were a mixed race, part Jew, part Gentile, and it grew out of the Assyrian captivity in 727 BC. The Samaritans ended up establishing their own temple, their own methods of worship, some of their own theology, and so there was this animosity and this prejudice between the Samaritans and the Jews. When the Jews were angry with Jesus, you know what they called him? A Samaritan. So it's no mistake that Jesus uses a, a Samaritan in his story, talking to this religious expert, talk, talking to this lawyer, and saying, this is the one who went and helped. 700 years of mistrust and animosity there was prejudice built up. They looked different. They acted different. They had different values. They were different. One of the things that uh, Bob Goff says, I'm going to read you this quote. He said, we don't need to cross the ocean to love people extravagantly. We just need to cross the street. 
last month when we were finishing the book, uh, Everybody Always, and we, we were asking, what could we do, you know, how can we just kind of in a simple way just reach out collectively as a group? And so uh, we're in, uh, Tisa and I are in Mike and Quincy's group, and, and there's about 10 adults uh, in it. And so we decided just to do a block party there in their neighborhood. And they live in an old historic neighborhood, but neighbors didn't really know neighbors. And so we thought this would just be a great way to just bring community in your neighborhood. And so for about $100, which an organization gave to us, gave to our group, an organization called ThriveNet, and uh, we bought some hamburgers and we made hamburgers and hot dogs and they had some cookies and just set up some games in the front yard of a different neighbor than where the life group was meeting and brought a bouncy castle and just kind of hung out. This is about a month ago and just hung out in the neighborhood, invited people. They went and knocked on doors and people came, but it was uncomfortable it was uncomfortable because no one had ever done this before in their neighborhood, even though it was a historic neighborhood. Some of the neighbors had been there 30 and 40 years. Some were just brand new in the neighborhood. But it was pretty cool to just sit on the front lawn, play games, eat some food, talk to neighbors, and, and, and see neighbors meeting neighbors and experiencing community together. I loved it. And it was inexpensive. And it was simple. And it was, it was pretty easy. But one of the things that I see in this story that I want to challenge each of us to do, whether it's in your life group or whether it's in your life, in your family or just in your individual life, is what can we do to move outside of our comfort zone and get involved in other people's lives? To get involved, to, to open up the door, to, to put out the welcome mat and to move beyond our own comfort zone. The Samaritan that we're talking about did so much more than that, though, didn't, didn't he? I mean, so much more than hosting a block party. I mean, he literally stepped across the divide of prejudice, of race, religion, culture. And it wasn't just inconvenient. It was extremely uncomfortable. And that kind of love Jesus talked about often in the Gospels. Like when Jesus said, love your enemies. Like when Jesus said, love those who speak bad of you. When he told us to go and love those that are in prison and love the poor and love those who don't deserve it. Jesus loves in that way. He loved me in that way and he loves you in that way. And there's something about, it's one thing to, to, to step out and love our neighbor when our neighbor is easy to love. And our neighbor might be someone who lives next door. It could be someone at work, right? It could be anybody but it's a whole nother thing to step out when our neighbor is messy or weird or creepy. And let's face it, I mean, those are the kinds of people that God calls us to love. Where can we do that? Where can you do that? Move outside this week of your comfort zone and bridge, build a bridge over a racial divide. Move outside of your comfort zone and bring reconciliation or a conversation or a meal that we can have with someone that you wouldn't normally have one with. That's really what was happening here is it wasn't that the Samaritan or the Jew lived so far apart. It was that they were so different. And yet the Samaritan crossed the street 
to someone who was so radically different than him to say, I want to know you. I want to know your story, and I want to help. God has called us to be that kind of a church, to go beyond what's comfortable, to embrace those that look different, act different, maybe even believe differently, and say, you belong. You're loved. It doesn't mean that you compromise scripture. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't Lord. It means that we step outside of our comfort zone to include and invite and allow others to experience genuine community in the very presence of God. And when that happens, God moves and things begin to happen. One great way to get out of our comfort zone in a practical way is right here within our own city, World Relief is helping resettle refugees. And uh, uh, a couple years ago, a life group I was in reached out to a refugee family, and it was life-changing for us as a group. We were able to go to the airport and meet this family. Uh, they had come from Sudan. They were refugees. It was a single mom and nine, chil nine children. <clears throat> and, uh, and getting to know their story and hear the persecution that was behind their story and see the hard work that was in them and the intelligence and uh, the love and the respect that, that was in them was just awesome. And so it breaks my heart when I hear of how we just continue to constrain how many refugees are permitted to come into our country, even though they're so vetted, uh, they are carefully screened and so Many, the vast, vast, vast majority of them are just amazing, wonderful people. But one of the things that we can do or you can do is reach out and say, what can I do to help a refugee have a friend? Or even meet them at the airport and help them get resettled. Bob Goff says this in his book. He says, when you get caught up in a life of following Jesus... The old categories of good guys and bad guys stop working for you. You realize that not only does everybody have a story, but also that God wants us to love them too, no matter what. Yes, this can be a little scary, but that's why we learn people's stories. It makes the creepy people God wants us to love a lot less scary and frees us to actually reach out to them right where they are. Loving like Jesus means being willing to let God stretch you outside of your comfort zones and getting to know someone's story, reaching out to somebody different from you, and then watching how God uses that. The other thing I see this Samaritan doing, loving in the way Jesus calls us to, is doing for one what you wish you could do for everybody. Doing for one what you wish you had the resources, the capacity, the energy, the time to do for everybody. I mean, let's face it, we're all limited, aren't we? In our time, in our resources, even in our emotional uh, capacity to love. And the problems just seem so big, the ills so many. And I feel bad that I can't often solve problems. And, and so sometimes we don't even want to try, right? Because it's like there's too many of them, it's, it's too complicated, it's too complex. I don't know if I do something to help somebody, are they going to take advantage of me? 
And so we have all these questions. And so what happens sometimes is we just pull back from helping anyone. I remember it's a couple weeks ago, I was traveling kind of, let's see, where was I? I was at the Y and I was traveling down country homes uh, and I was at the stoplight, at that busy stoplight by, I think it's a Rite Aid. And on the north, uh, the northwest corner, there was this dog, this little dog out in the middle of the street with a leash on. And he's running around out in the street at this busy intersection, one of the busiest intersections on the north side. And I'm, I'm over there and I'm late for an appointment and I'm thinking, oh, what do I do? There's this little dog, you know, he's going to get hit. I like big dogs. <laughs> but I thought I better stop. So I went into the pool world's parking lot and I noticed that there was this lady that was laying down right by the, kind of on the corner by the, where you'd push the button to cross the crosswalk. And she's just laying there, just laid out. And I'm thinking, oh, it's that, that late, that's, the dog that belongs to that lady, I need to go help her. So I went over to, to see if the lady was all right, and the little dog attacked me. He's like, and he had these huge fangs, little dog, huge fangs. And he's like running after me, and he's lunging at me, and I'm like lunging like it's a Doberman. And I couldn't get to the lady. I'm sorry, I couldn't help her. And because every time I try and go in and I try and come here, little doggy, ready to bite my head off. And so I called 911. And I'm like, uh, got this little dog that's uh, kind of attacking me. Oh, are you calling, sir, about the dog? No, there's this lady. This lady, she's laid out on the ground and I don't know what to do and I can't get to her. And well, how big is the dog? Well, he's kind of little, but he's mean. <laughs> like the lady's thinking, be a man, go over there and help her. And so other people stopped and they tried to help her and the dog was going after them and going after me and nobody could get to the lady. Finally, you know, the ambulance comes and helps. I didn't do anything. I stopped, that was good. But sometimes we don't even wanna stop because we know we can't always help. But what if we tried? In the story, Jesus told both the Levite and the priest who were too busy. Said, at least you could have tried, right? They avoided the mess and the time. So much easier to feel like I, I can't meet everybody's need, therefore I won't meet anybody's need. Jesus, how did he change people? One person at a time. The good Samaritan knew he couldn't help every person on the road. Maybe after he helped that person, he didn't have any more money to help another person. I don't know, but he did what he could. Eric and Emily uh, Clark are in our life group. And uh, when we were going through this kind of study, so we all challenge each other to kind of reach out. And so to get out of our comfort zones, to kind of do for one what we wish we could do for all. And here's their story. They ran across a guy by the name of Dan. And so Emily wrote, I first saw Dan when I was driving. Eric and I had started finding people with signs saying they were hungry. And we'd buy a hot meal and snacks for them and making sure to park somewhere where we could chat and hear their story. Dan's sign, though, was different. 
He said he'd fallen on hard times and he was willing to work. So I called Eric and I asked him if there was anything that we could get him to do at our house. And Eric went back and found Dan and talked with him, set up a time and a day where he could take a bus and then they would meet him uh, at the bus stop, bring him to their home. And then he helped in the backyard uh, with their garden, raising garden beds and digging and helping and sharing his life story. He had served in the military as a Navy boiler mechanic. He had been an Alaskan salmon fisherman. He washed high-rise windows. He was a janitor, and he held many other kind of odd jobs. All his family had passed away except his sister in Hawaii. Without a solid career, he didn't have a pension, and he found many people wouldn't hire him because of his age. He was in his mid-70s. He spent the last winter in a garage. He'd get up every morning frozen and would take shelter in the nearby McDonald's to warm up. And after a long time searching, he found Christian aid housing. Well, while they were, after they had heard his story and they worked together for the afternoon, they were taking him back to his place. And uh, he told him that he didn't have a phone anymore. He had lost his phone. So he hasn't been able to get in touch with his sister who lived in Hawaii for three months. And he didn't want her to think that he was dead. And so while they're driving in the car, Emily starts looking up on Facebook, searching for uh, this guy's sister's name, and uh, finally found it. And they took a picture of them in the car, and they forwarded it to... uh, Dan's sister, and because they wanted, they wanted to make sure she knew it was real. And it was so incredible to see how much that meant to Dan and how easy it is to take people for granted when we don't know their story. Everybody has a story, right? And it's when we learn their story that our heart is moved with compassion and all of a sudden it goes from just a person or a problem or something that's creepy or scary to somebody who's real and human and with needs and broken. And sometimes it's just life happening to someone. It's not, necessar- it's not always just a bunch of poor choices. The reality is that I can't meet everybody's needs but I can meet a person's needs, somebody's. What if each one of us decided that we would would do for one what we wish we could do for all and that we would step outside of our comfort zone and that we would be this unlikely source of healing in that person's life? Let me finish the story, Luke 10, 36 and 37. Jesus said, which of these three, the, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Aren't you glad that God showered his mercy on you? I'm so thankful that I get to be a recipient of God's mercy, that he was willing to cross heaven to earth and come where I was and pour in oil and wine 
and pour out his very blood for me on the cross. That's what he's done for us. He brings the kingdom of God into our brokenness. And that is what the good news is. And he calls each one of us to be a part of that too, to share that gospel story and live that gospel story out in someone else's life as well. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you came to this earth and you brought the gospel, the kingdom of God that brings light into darkness and brings restoration, healing, and transformation into our lives and hearts. Lord, we're opening our hearts to you today. We want to be those kinds of people. Lord, we want to see racial divides bridged, healed, reconciled. God, we want to see those that are broken, loved, embraced, included. God, we want to be a church that lives and shares boldly the gospel message of the kingdom of God and that there's a king and his name is Jesus. Lord, we recognize religion doesn't save. Religion can disappoint. Jesus, you save. Jesus, you are Lord. You are king. And we worship you today. Maybe you're here this morning, and this is a day for you to make Jesus Lord, that he's brought the kingdom of God a new way of living, a new way of thinking into our lives. He died on a cross, the Son of God, for you and for me. And if that's you, I want to ask you to just pray along with me. Jesus, I open my heart to you today. Come in. Set up your kingdom in my life. Set up your kingdom in my heart. Forgive me for sin, for rebellion, and for every way that I have pushed you to the side. I invite you in. Lord, thank you that you bring healing, you bring salvation, and you bring transformation. And Lord, we now pray that as we leave this place, we will be those that share that good news with others. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.